0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, 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 friend. Welcome to the Renaissance English History podcast a part of the Agora Podcast Network. I am your host, Heather Tesco. I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and being so much more in touch with our own humanity. This, my friends, is episode 224. We are delving into forbidden love. So February is love month. here at the Renaissance English History Podcast. And all of our episodes are going to be love related or somehow ancillary to love. Also, galantines and friendships and all kinds of royal weddings. We're going to be doing a lot both here and on my YouTube channel all about nerve, nerve. I'm making a heart with my hand right now. It's nerve time. So anyway, We're going to talk about love gone wrong. We're just going to look at love. All right. So this week we are looking at forbidden love. And also make sure if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel, like why not? Um, We're going to be doing a lot more on love over there as well. I've got a whole outline of all the different episodes, all the different videos, everything we're doing. And members, members are going to get extra love episodes too. Um so if you are not a member either via Patreon or on the YouTube channel you can join the YouTube channel. Members get all kinds of extra stuff they get extra episodes they get author chats they get now monthly mini courses. We just put out one on the Wars of the Roses. They'll get another one this month, so monthly mini courses. All kinds of fun stuff by joining via Patreon which is patreon.com/englandcast or joining the YouTube channel. If you are listening to this on YouTube, you can just click join this channel. And the tiers and levels are pretty much the same. Just some people like to do it on Patreon. Some people like to do it on YouTube. So we try and make it easy. We try and make it easy. So it's all about love this month. All right, let us get into it. Today, we are peeling back the layers of what constituted forbidden relationships in the 16th century, setting the stage for stories that not only captivated contemporaries, but also continue to fascinate us to this day. In Tudor England, marriage was far more than a personal union between two people. Especially among the nobles, it was a strategic alliance that served political, economic, and social purposes. Marriages, especially among nobility and royalty, were meticulously arranged to strengthen family ties, secure political alliances, and enhance wealth and landholdings. The idea, the very concept of marrying for love, as we understand, every time I say the word love, I'm going to say it like that, like love this one. It'll be really annoying. Um... I might, I might not. Anyway, the concept of marrying for love, as we understand it today, was not a priority and often not even a consideration in these negotiations. Given this context, certain relationships were deemed forbidden due to different factors that went against the social, political, and religious fabric and ideas of the time. One of the primary reasons would be social disparity. The class hierarchy was rigid. Marriages occurred within one's social class. Relationships that crossed these strict boundaries, such as those between nobles and commoners, were frowned upon and could lead to social ostracism or worse. Marital status, of course, was another crucial factor. The sanctity of marriage was upheld by law and the church, making adultery a very serious offense. Engaging in any kind of romance outside of marriage was not only considered morally reprehensible, but it also could have legal consequences. For women in particular, such transgressions could tarnish family honor and lead to severe punishment. Of course, that's because women ran the risk of becoming pregnant, which could throw the whole succession into question if the rightful heir wasn't inheriting whatever there was to inherit. So it was especially bad for women in that period to be caught uh, or to be engaging in that kind of behavior. Religious laws and the mandates of the church also further complicated matters. After Henry VIII's establishment, of the Church of England and the subsequent religious upheavals, adherence to religious doctrines became intertwined with loyalty to the crown. Marriages that crossed religious lines, especially in the latter half of the 16th century, when tensions between Protestants and Catholics intensified, were often viewed with suspicion and could be deemed unacceptable or even treasonous. In this era where personal desires often collided with demands of duty, status, and faith, forbidden love was not just a matter of the heart, but a complex web of societal norms and expectations. As we delve into some stories of those who dared to defy these norms, we uncover not only tales of passion and defiance, but also a vivid portrait of the societal structure that shaped every aspect of Tudor life. So we're going to start with the big one. Big one that changed everything, Henry and Anne. Their affair was not just a private matter of the heart, but a catalyst for monumental religious and political upheaval in England. In the early 1530s, Henry VIII, already married to Catherine of Aragon for nearly two decades, became a utterly infatuated with Anne Boleyn, a charismatic and intelligent lady-in-waiting at the court. Anne was well-educated, possessed a sharp wit, and initially resisted the king's advances, refusing to become another of his mistresses, a decision that only fueled Henry's desire. This pursuit coincided with Henry's growing desperation for a male heir, something Catherine, of course, had been unable to provide. Anne's refusal to yield without a marriage proposal set the stage for an unprecedented royal drama. Henry's determination to marry Anne clashed with the Catholic Church's refusal to annul his marriage to Catherine. This impasse led to a series of events that would culminate in the English Reformation. Henry, in his relentless quest to secure a marriage with Anne, defied the Pope by anointing Thomas Cranmer as the Archbishop of Canterbury, who subsequently declared his marriage to Catherine void and his marriage to Anne valid. This act, essentially a royal defiance of papal authority, led to England's break from the Catholic Church and the establishment of the Church of England with the King at its head. Anne's ascendancy to queen in 1533 was as meteoric as it was fraught with controversy. Her failure to produce a male heir quickly eroded Henry's affection, and the court's initial skepticism turned into outright hostility. By 1536, the political and religious landscape Anne had helped transform became the backdrop for her downfall. Accused of adultery and treason, a likely concoction of political machinations orchestrated by her enemies at court, Anne was arrested and tried. Despite the lack of evidence, the verdict was a foregone conclusion. Anne was executed on May 19, 1536, her dramatic and tragic end marking one of the most infamous episodes in Tudor history. Her marriage to Henry, once the cause of a national religious shift, ended on the scaffold a stark reminder of the volatile intersection of love, power, and politics in Tudor England. The love story that had begun with passionate letters and courtly romance ended in betrayal and bloodshed, encapsulating the perilous nature of royal affections of the 16th century. Now we're going to move on to a very poignant story of forbidden love, and that was Catherine Howard, Henry VIII's fifth wife. Catherine's brief and tumultuous tenure as queen consort from 1540 to 41 underscores the perilous intersection of youthful indiscretion and the unforgiving nature of the Tudor court. Catherine was a cousin of Henry VIII's second wife, Anne, Anne Boleyn, and she came to court as a young and vivacious lady-in-waiting. Her upbringing, under the care of her step-grandmother, the Dowager Duchess of Norfolk, was largely unsupervised, allowing Catherine the freedom that would later prove to be her undoing. In this environment, Catherine engaged with at least one romantic liaison with a kinsman, Francis Darum, which she failed to disclose upon her engagement to the king. Henry, besotted with Catherine's youth and beauty, married her shortly after the annulment of his marriage to Anne of Cleves. However, the marriage was doomed from the start. Catherine's past, a tapestry of youthful love and secrecy, also you could say abuse because she was very young, quickly unraveled. In late 1541, allegations of Catherine's premarital relationships emerged, shaking the very foundations of the Tudor court. Thomas Cranmer and others conducted an investigation that revealed Catherine's previous engagements and, even more terrible, her ongoing affair with Thomas Culpepper a courtier and favorite of the king. The revelation of Catherine's indiscretions was a scandal of monumental proportions, not merely because of her status as queen, but because it struck at the heart of Henry's authority and the sanctity of the royal marriage. The charges against Catherine, adultery and treason, were severe and the implications were clear. In the Tudor court, a queen's virtue was inextricably linked to the stability of the realm. And of course, like I said before, this would be really bad if you were a woman and you got pregnant, if you were the queen and gave birth to someone who was not the king's child, the king's son, then that person would be king. Um and, you know, if that's something that you care about as king, which one assumes at this point in time they did uh, that's where treason comes in because suddenly you've got somebody on the on the throne who shouldn't really be king right so catherine's downfall was swift after just a year of marriage to henry she was executed at the tower of london her tragic end highlights the precarious nature of royal marriages where youthful indiscretions could be construed as high treason In the late 1570s to early 1580s, the Tudor court was once again the stage for a scandalous love affair, this time involving Anne Vavasour, a young and intelligent maid of honor to Queen Elizabeth I, and Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford, a prominent and, oops, married courtier. Their clandestine relationship unfolded amidst the backdrop of a court where the queen's unmarried status and the conduct of her ladies were under constant scrutiny. Anne Vavasour was noted for her wit and beauty. She entered the royal court as a teenager, quickly attracting the attention of several suitors, including the Earl of Oxford. Oxford was a man of considerable influence and talent, was already entangled in a troubled marriage with Anne Cecil, the daughter of William Cecil, Lord Burley, Elizabeth's chief advisor. The affair between Anne and Edward de Vere was not just a personal matter, it was laden with political implications given their positions within the court's intricate social hierarchy. The relationship came to a head in March 1581 when Anne gave birth to Edward de Vere's illegitimate son in the Maiden's Chamber at Court, a scandalous event that could not be concealed from the Queen or the public. Both Anne and Edward de Vere were imprisoned in the Tower of London by Queen Elizabeth, who was known for her strict stance against any impropriety among her courtiers, particularly those in close proximity to her person. The scandal did not end with their imprisonment. After their release, the affair led to a violent confrontation between Edward de Vere and Anne's relatives, underscoring the deep-seated tensions between noble families at Elizabeth's court. In 1582, a duel erupted in the streets of London between de Vere and Anne's uncle, Thomas Nivet. The encounter left several men wounded and fueled a bitter feud between the two families that persisted for years involving numerous duels and confrontations. Her child was baptized Edward Vere and would survive to manhood, but the Earl of Oxford took no responsibility for his upbringing or education, though he did settle lands on him and gave £2,000 to Anne. Later, Anne Vavasour was involved in yet another scandal when she was accused of bigamy. So Anne Vavasor was not very lucky in love, though we could question some of her decision-making abilities and skills. But we will talk about that bigamy episode uh, in another, probably, YouTube video. The affair between Anne Vavasor and Edward DeVere and its tumultuous aftermath is a vivid illustration of the complexities of forbidden love within the Tudor court. It was not merely the personal consequences faced by Anne and Edward that marked this affair as significant, but the broader implications it had on their families and the court's political landscape. Their relationship, conducted in the shadows at court, ultimately exposed the precarious balance between personal desires and the public duties of those within the Queen's orbit, highlighting the very perilous nature of forbidden love in an environment where reputation and allegiance were paramount. Next, let's talk about the love story between Sir Walter Raleigh and Elizabeth Throckmorton. It's one of the most captivating stories of forbidden love from the Tudor period, marked by secrecy, royal fury, and enduring loyalty. In 1591, Walter Raleigh, a dashing explorer, soldier, and favorite of Elizabeth I, found himself entangled in a clandestine romance with Elizabeth Throckmorton, one of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting. This relationship was fraught with danger as the Queen's permission was required for the marriage of her courtiers, and Elizabeth, of course, was known, was famous for her very possessive attitude towards her favorites. The secret marriage between Raleigh and Throckmorton likely undertaken in passionate defiance of courtly protocols, was a direct affront to the Queen's authority. Throckmorton's pregnancy and the subsequent discovery of their marriage ignited Elizabeth's wrath, leading to severe repercussions. The Queen felt personally betrayed by both, As intimate relationships within her court were under her purview, and such unions without her consent were seen as a breach of trust and loyalty. Raleigh and Throckmorton's punishment was swift and harsh, with both being imprisoned in the Tower of London. This stark response underscores the very dangers, of course, of forbidden love in the Tudor court, where personal desires were subordinate to royal decrees. The couple's imprisonment in the tower, which was of course a site of executions and political imprisonments, highlighted the gravity of their offense in the eyes of the queen and the court. Despite, however, their temporary imprisonment, Raleigh and Throckmorton's relationship endured the trials imposed by their royal mistress. Raleigh's career, however, suffered a significant setback. His favor at court was diminished, his opportunities for advancement and exploration were curtailed for a time. This episode reveals the precarious balance courtiers had to maintain between their personal lives and their obligations to the crown. Raleigh's once meteoric rise at court was checked by his romantic entanglements, showcasing the vulnerability of even the most favored courtiers to the whims of the monarch. Now another very famous um, Tudor-forbidden romance, the union between Mary Tudor, Henry VIII's sister, and Charles Brandon, Duke of Suffolk. It stands out for its defiance of royal expectations and its eventual acceptance. Their story begins in early 1515, following the death of Mary's first husband, Louis XII, of France, just three months into their marriage. Mary was a widow at 18 and was a valuable political asset, and her brother Henry had grand plans for her second marriage. However, Mary had other ideas. She had been close to Charles Brandon, who was Henry's BFF and a prominent figure at court. Despite the vast social gap between a royal princess and a duke, a gap that made their love forbidden by the standards of the day, Mary and Charles shared a mutual affection that led them to marry in secret in France. This bold move flew in the face of Henry's authority and his carefully laid plans of international diplomacy. The news of their clandestine marriage sent shockwaves throughout the court. Henry VIII's initial fury at this betrayal was palpable, and the couple faced potential severe repercussions. The marriage not only defied the king's wishes, But also threatened England's political alliances, which were delicately balanced on the prospects of royal marriages. Yet the story of Mary and Charles does not end in tragedy, at least then, unlike many other tales of forbidden love from the period. Through a combination of Charles's loyalty to Henry, Mary's persuasive appeals, and the king's own affection for his sister and friend, the couple was eventually forgiven. However, this forgiveness came at a price, a hefty fine levied on Brandon, essentially a financial penance for his overreach. This resolution underscores the transactional nature of royal marriages and the weight of duty over desire. Their marriage lasted until Mary died and was, by many accounts, a happy one, producing four children. It serves as a rare example of a love match that, despite initial royal censure, Was ultimately incorporated into the fabric of Tudor dynastic politics. The stories of forbidden love during the Tudor period, from the tragic to the triumphant, reveal the tension between obligations to the crown and personal desire. In a time when marriages were strategic tools of diplomacy and power consolidation, the pursuit of personal affection and love often led to scandal, conflict, and in some cases, reconciliation. These narratives underscore the significant role of power dynamics in shaping personal relationships. Whether it was the king's absolute authority over his courtiers or the societal norms that dictated acceptable unions, power was always a central player in the game of love. Yet, despite the risks and often tragic consequences, individuals continued to pursue love, sometimes covertly and sometimes openly challenging the norms of their time. This enduring fascination with forbidden love stories from the Tudor era speaks to a broader human theme, the quest for personal happiness in the face of societal constraints. We will end it there, my friend. Thank you so very much for listening. I appreciate it. And again, remember, you can hop on to the Patreon page or join the YouTube channel, patreon.com slash Englandcast, or just click join this channel to become a member and get extra episodes and courses and author chats, all kinds of fun stuff. All right. Whatever you are doing, wherever you are in the world, thank you for spending the last 20 minutes with me. I surely do appreciate it. And I hope that you have an amazing week and I will be back again very soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Blow northern wind, ascend for baby sweating. Blow northern wind, blow blow blow. Ich hut dur din barbrick at sole sem lies on sea. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.